This is the Dynasty Happy Hour Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Insanity. Tonight, uh, I bring on somebody to talk about a cool league that I was lucky enough to be able to join. Uh, Matt Price, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. I don't know if you got to join so much as I pressured you to join and then you gave in at the last minute. <laughs> no, it wasn't pressure. The first time you bounced the idea off of uh, the group, I was I was like, oh, that sounds like a fun one. I need to. And then I was just like, no, I don't need to. I don't need to. I don't need to. Uh, and then you said a second time, like, hey, does anybody still want in? And I was like, all right, well, sure. Uh, that was that was clearly enough arm twisting. Just saying, hey, <laughs> hey, are you sure nobody wants it in? That was how much he twisted my arm to get me to join another league. Yeah, uh, we're we're glad to have you though, for sure. It's a it's a cool one. Uh, I wouldn't have joined it if it wasn't very cool. But me and you have a lot of these same like requirements as we've talked. Um, in order to join a new league, it's it's got to have a lot of the things that this has that we'll get into. But uh, so you're here to talk about the red list dynasty which is going to be great. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, first off, just in case anybody doesn't know who you are, let everybody know where they can find you and where they can hear and read and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find all of my football work at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, I do writing for them and as well uh, uh, co-host the podcast with, along with uh, Jeff Miller, Dan Myler, and our new addition, Chad Scott. Um, so you can find that stuff there. Uh, I do more podcasting now than writing. <laughs> I kind of enjoy it. Uh, find that I enjoy it more than the writing now. I still like writing, but you know, when you're doing a podcast every week or so, sometimes the writing falls off. But uh, anyway, that's where you can find my football work. Um, and then you can find Zookeeper Stories at zookeeperstories.com, which is my podcast. Uh, basically a ripoff of the Backyard Banner podcast, except for I took Matt Harmon's idea and now use it for zookeeping. So I just interview zookeepers about their job and how they got to where they are. Yeah, and I'll recommend that to, to people. It's I am not a zookeeper. I've never like considered myself wanting to be a zookeeper, but it's still fun to hear the stories. Um, it's entertainment. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's people that are very, very passionate about what they do and animals. And there's always entertaining stories that uh, you always have, like, somebody share. Hey, so what's the most embarrassing animal story you have? And people are very open in sharing them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure everybody listens to DLF. Give Zookeeper Stories a, a try as well. So, all right, well... Um, when did you, before we get into the league, when did you actually start playing like fantasy football or fantasy sports if you started with something other than football? Yeah, I started my first fantasy sport actually was fantasy basketball back in like like the early 90s. And my first fantasy football league was in like 1996. And then I started playing Dynasty a couple of years after that. So it's been it's been quite the, the ride there. I don't know. I just got hooked on it. Um, you know, I started watching football as a as a like junior high schooler, uh, early, maybe, maybe it was freshman year of high school, something like that in Wisconsin. And, uh, um, it's kind of like my first intro into people that are super crazy about sports, um, the Packer fans. So I kind of like adapt, adopted that as my team, even though I'm not really from Wisconsin, I just lived there for two years. Um, so, uh, yeah, about that time. Uh, and then, uh, dynasty league football kind of just caught my eye because, you know, you play redraft and you're like, I wish I could build a whole team. I wish I didn't have to give up on these guys every year. I wish I, 
my, my season wasn't over after three injuries, you know, <laughs> so, you know, you want a little bit more and you get into dynasty. So I've been playing dynasty for almost, almost 20 years now. I think this might be my 20th year playing the game. So over the past, uh, over the past few years, has your off season changed or from what I know, you're extremely active right now in the off season, what should be the off season, but it feels like it's more work now than what the in-season is after doing this for just a little bit. Um, have you increased your leagues and your off-season activity, or is this how you've been now for years? Oh, no, I've definitely been ramping up. You know, the, the more and more you get into this community, the more and more leagues you find out about, which is, you know, why you have this podcast to tell everybody about all those awesome leagues. Um, so every year I say I'm going to cut down just like everybody else, I'm sure. And every year I ended up end up adding more. This year I cut down three. I, my, my plan was to get down to 10. Um, and instead of I cut down to three to get to 10 and then I added five. So back up to 15. Uh, and I, I really feel like that's my limit. Um, the last few weeks have been really fun, uh, you know, post NFL draft. Uh, but it's been a lot of work, you know, having, I think I had, uh, two startups and like six rookie drafts and like two auctions or something going on at the same time. So yeah, a lot of a lot of craziness going on. And one of those that we're talking about tonight was when I was commissioning. So uh, the last last month or so has been really crazy, and I'm glad we're winding down a little bit to have a little break here in in the middle of summer before we get to the season. So, how many times a day do you check in on MFL? Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> uh, probably not every single league, every single day, uh, but definitely I'm on on the ones that are uh, you know have stuff things going on right now. Like I haven't been on red list in one day, uh, surprisingly, uh, but I was on KS. Yeah. Whole day. I was on KS five multiple times today. I was on uh, power hungry once today, looking at a trade offer. You know, that's the thing is when you get this many leagues, now you have also trade offers coming from 15 different directions too. sometimes multiple coming from each league. And you don't want to be the guy that takes a week to respond, but you want to, you know, think about them and marinate a little bit. But then when you have so many, you just like, wait, which league is which, which trade offer, you know? So it gets a little bit nuts. So, so, so I think I'm at my limit now. We'll see. We'll see. I say that for now, but we'll see next year when somebody starts up another awesome league. Yeah. Not to mention that uh, some of the leagues have 56 owners um, sending offers. Yeah. So 56 owners. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it is, it's a lot there. You're right. There are not, there's not a Dago not a day goes by that uh, I don't get probably at least one, two, three, four, five trade offers, uh, which is, it's fun. It's still, it's still fun. I should say if it ever loses that fun, then I guess oh, I'll for sure. to quit altogether. But, I wouldn't uh, take on all the craziness if I didn't love it, you know? Yep. Yep. We're all junkies. And I still, anytime you get that email that says, you know, trade proposal. Oh, sweet. Open that immediately and respond hopefully positively. Oh yeah. I'm ridiculous. Cause I have issues getting uh, emails from MFL still, including trade off oh, emails. So, right. so I get them, I have them all set to text. So sometimes my phone is blowing up all day at work today. Actually, it's just a quick tangent here. I was doing the, uh, one of the a keeper talk at the main wolf uh, exhibit today. And my phone just kept buzzing like, like four or five times. I'm like who is blowing up my phone? I'm like, my wife, I hope my wife is okay. Uh, you know, I, I look down at my phone and there's like four trade offers. Like, nice. Okay, got it. Was that in power hungry or was that, uh, was that a different league? Uh, trying, one was trying in, to think if I saw anything go by in power hungry. Uh, no, I don't think any was power hungry today. Okay. Yeah. Making sure, making sure uh, I wasn't missing something that, uh, I need to be aware of. 
I, don't, I did I mean, make a big trade in Power Hungry a few days ago that I'm still not sure how I feel about. But what was the what was the trade in Power Hungry? Uh, I traded because I needed a quarterback so bad. I traded Antonio Brown and Philip Rivers to get Cam Newton, and I got uh, Larry Fitzgerald thrown in on top. So, oh my uh, God. you know, I don't even think I saw that come. Oh, I gotta get, see. Yeah, I need with to... with uh, with TK. So I was trying. I, I offered. I was trying to get a quarterback so bad in that league, and I was like, Anto- nobody wants Antonio Brown. I sent it to Mark Hill. Antonio Brown for James Winston, straight up rejected. Antonio Brown for Luck, rejected. Antonio Brown for any quarterback, basically in that league that was in the top, inside the top ten or so. Everybody said no, so I had to overpay are a little bit. Brutal in that league. It's yep. it's brutal. Uh, I mean, fourteen team super flex it and six point touchdowns. So I I wouldn't trade Jameis or Andrew Luck for Antonio Brown either. I can't uh I can't fault either of those rejections. But it's fair. Right, it's just so weird to see the top receiver, you know, uh being rejected for a quarterback. It's just such such a weird thing. Anyway, sorry to, to derail your show. <laughs> no, no, that's are you kidding? I'm <laughs> that's what people enjoy talking about. Uh I kinda wonder if somebody would give Jameis for like OBJ or uh Evans. You know, they might not consider Somebody should try that out. <laughs> yeah, if I had <laughs> You've seen my roster in that league. It's, it's, I have seen your roster. It is pathetic. I don't have anything worth trading. Um, all right, let's get in the red list. Uh, we're going to talk. We're not here to talk about Power Hungry. That was like two episodes, three episodes ago. I don't know, a while back. Um, so red list. First off, what do, what does this mean? What is what is the red list? So I it's. I still am not sure 100% how I feel about the title. It just kind of was the best thing that came to my mind, and I got an opportunity to build a site, and I needed a title for it, so that's what I am. But the title comes from the IUCN Red List, uh, which is uh, the major conservation committee that kind of determines what animals, what or not just animals, what organisms basically are you know, have threatened or endangered populations. Um, and they kind of document that uh, based on census numbers and things. So this league uh, took the title from from that. Before we get into talking about like the specific league settings and the startup and everything like that, uh, what is this league going to do for animals on the red list? So I've long wanted to be able to do something with fantasy to kind of give back. And the last several years, Scott Fish and Jeff Miller have have Fantasy Cares, which uh, is a great uh, a great organization that gives money to Toys for Tots and buys toys for kids. So, you know, I was thinking to myself, what can I do in the same way to kind of give back a little bit? Um, and, you know, I'm a zookeeper. I'm passionate about animals. So I thought, hey, why not? Let's see if I can find 12 or 24 owners to get together. And, um, you know, they're like-minded and are willing to give a percentage of their entry fees to, to um, uh, animal welfare conservation organizations like for example an organization called animals asia that helps save uh, bears from bile farming in china wildlife sos is an organization that basically ended the dancing bear syndrome in india which is a horrible practice of uh, people basically taking uh, sloth bears when they're babies inserting a hot poker through their nose and attaching a rope to that and then basically tugging on it and having them dance for tourists so you know there are all kinds of organizations out there that help animals and in in lots of different ways, whether it's through research or public outreach or, you know, actually in situ or on the ground conservation work and rebuilding habitats and things like that. And all of them are mostly nonprofit kind of organizations that, you know, constantly need money. So I really wanted to create something that combines my two passions, fantasy football and, and working with animals. So 
uh, that's what we're doing, man. We're gonna give we're gonna give a bunch of money. It's gonna be three hundred dollars a year, which is about three. Uh, sorry, about twenty five percent of the um, the the prize pool every year. And the the champion of that league is gonna get to send two hundred dollars to an organization that benefits a charity. And then uh, the second place place uh, team will get to send one hundred dollars to uh, an organization. Yeah, and that's that's pretty cool. Um, and like you said, that's you know Scott is a big influence on that. And Jeff. Um, that's something I have tried to put into all my leagues as well. Now I, I really respect Scott for starting that and really pushing it. And I hope that more leagues start to do that. Uh, it's he's right. When he says that nobody misses a couple of entry fees, like you just, you don't even notice it at the end if you win, cause you're so happy you win, but it really can raise an unbelievable amount of money pretty easily just by playing in fantasy football leagues. I, it still kind of yeah. makes, me, makes me laugh that it can be used to raise money for charity, but I, it's great to see. So I, I'm really yeah, I will never, I'll never create another, I don't know if I will ever create another league, <laughs> uh, but if I do, uh, it will, every other league I create will always have some kind of charity component in it for sure. Like now that I know that there are other people that, that are willing to do things like that, then, you know, it just opens up so much, you know, my, my concern it was as always, you know, you know, we're playing this where everybody wants to win the championship. Everybody wants to win the money. Are they really going to be okay if I ask them for this money? So, I, but I think if you go in with it, you know, this is what the league is going to be. Choose to enter if or not. If you do, this is what you're signing up for. And you know, the the it's it's great. Every single person that has joined this league has come to me specifically and said that one of the reasons why they have joined is because of the cost, which I think is just awesome. And I never would have expected that when I started it. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, um, and it's an awesome league. You designed it, so uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more now about the design of the league and why it's more than just uh, what meets the eye for a dynasty league. So, before we even get to like the startup, what was the first event that we got to participate in in this league? So the first thing we did in this league was to draft a species. We had a species draft. So the way this league is set up, it's set up in two conferences of 12 teams. One conference is the carnivores division. Or sorry, I guess they call them division, but conferences, whatever you want to call it. One division is called the carnivore division, and one division is called the herbivore division. In each one, there are 12 different species that I selected uh, to represent uh, conservation charities for year one and year years to follow, we may change it up. We haven't really got into that whole thing yet. Um, but for right now, these are the, tw- these are the 24 species that are representative. And then the, the teams that the team that wins, will get to send charity to the species that they drafted and are representing uh, in this league. So for example, so, so one team is the Lions. So if the Lions win the championship, we're going to send money to an organization that benefits the lion populations. Yeah, we're going to be benefiting the the manatee population. <laughs> and you're one. Heads up. Mm, you probably should have more than half a team for that. But we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I think I might be at half. I think I might be at a half a team. I might actually be at exactly half a team at this point. All I need, is, all I need, is a starting ten, and zero right. inju- and zero injuries. I actually think I the way I ended up filling out my roster, I was kind of shocked that I was able to fill it out as far as I did. Yeah, I know you ended up up better than I thought you would for sure. (laughs) Yeah. See the manatee coming to win. 
But uh, <laughs> but I think the fun part of that is going to be, you know, so we're, we haven't picked our rivals yet. And I, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here yet, but there's a rival component of this that is going to lead to a progressive pot. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll get to pick a rival. So I think it's the, some of the matchups could be really funny, like manatees fighting uh, lions or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> if one, anybody we'll, is really good at Photoshop, we could have a lot of, lot of fun with some of the rivalry weeks. Totally. And, and a lot of my friends will, you know, they'll, they'll, while we're out having a beer or something, they'll post questions like, so if a lion and a polar bear had a fight, who's going to win, you know? And so we talk out, well, the polar bear does this well, the lion does this well. So if the lion does this and the polar bear will win and, and and vice versa. So (laughs) could lead to a lot of fun things uh, once we get to rivalry weeks. I have no faith that the polar bear will win. (laughs) Largest (laughs) land carnivore on the planet. No fear of the polar bear. Matt's the polar bears. I'm taking a shot at Matt's team, not the actual animals. Although I think you actually did pretty. You built a pretty good team too, didn't you? Yeah, I think I'm pretty strong. Yeah, we'll see though. People were too nice to you, but uh, all right. So with this, like you said, it is two conferences. Um, we we all picked our our animals, our species. Everybody made fun of me when I picked manatees, but I did it for my kids. Cause... You picked them high too, didn't you? Like, like in the top five I think, or something. I think I was like the that? one. I might have been the one at one. <laughs> that might that does sound familiar. Yeah. So everybody I'm was like record. Sure it's like it was record scratch. Record scratch manatees. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm so why did you tell? Sure. Yeah, talk about why you picked the manatees at one one. Yeah, I chose them. Uh, basically, I mean, we go to Siesta Key to vacation, and so we see manatees in live like out there right in the gulf right in front of us i almost got run over by a manatee had i not so the 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 story behind it i'm sitting out there like right on the sandbar here you know a little bit deeper than just sitting on the sandbar so i'm like kind of standing but just just floating relaxing in the water and all of a sudden i see a bunch of people on the beach like looking out at me and of course if you're at the ocean and people are looking out you're like oh crap there's a shark um so I start looking around. I don't see any fins, anything like that. But I see this huge, just, it's just a dark blob. I mean, that was the, <laughs> that's the only way I could describe it. Just a dark blob, like gliding through the water. And I see it coming like right at me. Like, I mean, just, it's moving faster than I would have ever thought like a manatee was moving. Because uh, I don't think of them as fast. But seeing it that close, it was moving. And I mean, it had to be, I don't know, like, a ton, 2000 pounds, probably is huge. I don't know how much they actually weigh, but I mean, it was gigantic. Uh, yeah, they so can be coming. Go ahead. How can, how big can they be? Uh, yeah, they, they can definitely be over a thousand pounds. I think they can get up to 1500 pounds. I should look this up and know this, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's close to 1500 pounds. I mean, it was um, it might was... even be bigger than that, but they, they are massive in the water. And if you don't know that it's a manatee or you don't know what it is, or if you don't know if it's dangerous, it is, extremely intimidating when they're coming towards you. I've, I've, I've scuba dived with them several times and uh, they are impressive animals. Yeah. So I just like scooted forward and it didn't veer at all. It kept coming straight and had I not moved, it would have run, it would have knocked me over, which would have, I probably should have stayed there because it would probably been pretty cool to me. Like, Hey, a manatee ran into me in the water and, you know, knocked me right over. Um, so I, I always have that story of a manatee. So when I saw them on the list, I kind of thought, oh, I might go then. And then I asked my kids, I showed them the list, and they said, oh, yeah, manatee. So 
And we also, uh, the Cincinnati Zoo does a lot of rehab for manatees. Um, oh, so, really? I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like every time we go, they like just sent just released one back into the you know into the wild like they have them for like two years and there's always a sad video playing of how they rescued one and brought it in the manatee exhibit's always cool plus it's inside and it's nice and air conditioned (laughs) (laughs) so i always enjoy going in to see them i just looked up the the largest manatee has ever ever been found is is 3913 pounds holy crap i don't think it was that big but (laughs) That's a big it, manatee. It sure looks gigantic. All right, so this league, um, it is basically two separate 12-team leagues, um, but we also get to play each other. You play uh, across the conferences or divisions, and we get a progressive pot from that. Let's talk a little bit about that because I love progressive pots, and I think they should, I think they should be essential in every single fantasy football league, dynasty league at least. Yeah. Um, so basically, say so here's here's how the here's how the money breaks down. It's fifty dollar entry fee times twenty four gives us twelve hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars goes to to charity off the top. At least it's nine hundred dollars for the prize pool. Three hundred goes to the champion. Second place gets two hundred. Third place gets a hundred. Fourth place gets fifty. Both conference champions get twenty five dollars each. The highest uh, point total, highest total points in each conference gets fifty dollars, and then. Uh, another $50 goes to, uh, sorry, another $100 split into two goes into two different uh, progressive pots. One of them, uh, $50 goes into the back-to-back champions pot. And that's obviously just given to the first owner that wins a championship in back-to-back seasons, which is going to be extremely difficult in a 24-team league, I would, I would guess. No, I and, can't wait uh, to take that down next year. <laughs> uh, and then the second one is, it has to do with, uh, with, with playing the opposite conference. So we have a 13-week regular season and only 11 teams in your conference to play. So that leaves us with two weeks to play with. Um, and those other two weeks, you will be playing someone – Oh, sorry, you're going to be playing your rivals, which we haven't picked yet, in the other conference. Um, and the the ultimate survivor, um, the ultimate survivor progressive pot will go to the first owner to defeat every single team in the opposite conference. Um, so with only two games per season, uh, that's going to take at least six years to do. Uh, there is a bonus also for the two teams that play in the final in the, in the finals because they're getting a third opportunity to play. Uh, a team in the opposite conference. So they get a little bit of an advantage there. So I guess it could technically happen in doing the math five years, depending on how many times you get there. Uh, But yeah, so it's probably going to be at least six years. So it'll be a $300 progressive pot for the survivor one. And then however many years it takes to do the uh, back-to-back championship. Man, I can't wait to take down that pot too. It's going to be a lot of I, and this I, league will not fold. This league will not fold as long as I am playing fantasy football. This league will be around. So nobody awesome. has to worry about any of that money going somewhere else. That is, that is awesome. Even and if it does if it does go somewhere else, it will go to a charity. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Even if for some reason it did have to fold, there's an easy way to distribute that money. Yep. Yep. Um, we, we've got some unique scoring in this league as well, which <laughs> made some people change, at least I assume, change their normal strategy in the auction. But uh, the the scoring, let's go over that a little bit. How do you score each position? So quarterbacks, unique, I should say. Yeah. So this is a super flex league. So you can start up to two quarterbacks and 
I'm totally fine with with super flex leagues that have six points per passing touchdown, obviously. But I kind of wanted to, you know, while allowing two of them to be played every week, I kind of wanted to mute their scoring a little bit. So instead of going with the normal .05 or or 20 uh, yards per per passing point, we went down to .04. So it's going to take 25 point uh, 25 yards to get one point uh, passing, and the passing TDs are only worth four instead of six. Passing two pointers are worth two points. Interceptions minus one. Fumbles minus one. Rushing and receiving touchdowns, of course, are six points. Um, and then the standard uh, 0.1 points per yard for rushing and receiving. Um, two points for rushing, receiving two pointers. And then here's where it gets a little bit interesting. We have the normal PPR for uh, running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks. But tight end receptions are, are, is a, are at a premium. And most tight end premium leagues play at 1.5 points for tight end receptions. In this league, we're going to two points. <laughs> so we're doubling that for tight ends, which is going to make them much more attractive, I think, uh, and, and did so in the auction, I, I believe. Uh, and then we're throwing on a Scott Fish special and throwing on 0.25 points for every rushing attempt for all positions. So those those quarterbacks that run a lot, those receivers that also get running back carries, they get a little bit of boost there as well. Yeah, and the tight end, the tight end scoring was the one that I was hinting at. And uh, like you said, most tight end premium, premium, they get an extra half a point. I have never played in something where they get double. Um I'm really curious how much that's going to affect scoring for tight ends. Uh, have you ever played in that before, or was this something that you just wanted to try out and figured, eh, I'm going to go ahead and try it out in this league? Yeah, I, I actually have. Uh, only in one place, though. I think it's very rare. Um, the only place I've played it, so er, very, very early in my fantasy football uh, I guess addiction, we can call it, you know, I was, uh, I was a pretty active member on the football guys forum. That was kind of like the first, you know, non uh, big network kind of fantasy football outlet that I found. So I was kind of active on there. And in that, in, in, on the forums there, there's a mock, uh, a mock draft forum where people have mock drafts all the time, but someone there created these survivor leagues that are a little bit different than most kind of best ball leagues. They are best ball, but they're 16 team best balls. And then the low score every single week gets quote unquote booted off the Island. So they, they're out after, if you score low one time, you're out. Um, the other side of that though, is if you're the highest scoring team in a week, you are, you have immunity. And even if you score the lowest the night, the following week, then you stay in. So, um, and that league is the first place and the only place really uh, other than this league that I've seen two points per tight end receptions. And in a 16 team league, you can imagine that <laughs> it makes it pretty crazy. Um, Gronkowski always goes in the early first, mid first round of those. Um, so give you a little bit of idea of how valuable they can be. Yeah, I, I think it definitely made some people really value tight end. Um, and perhaps even, I kind of wonder if some people spent too much on them thinking it was going to be just just a huge, huge difference, um, which maybe it still will be. But do you think people went overboard or do you think people were like right on par with where they should be? Well, the beauty of this league as well is that you only have you're only required to start one of each position of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. The other six flexed options, you can do whatever you want with. You can start six tight ends, sorry, seven tight ends if you want to. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but there is a couple teams that went pretty heavy on tight ends. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I think it is the Narwhals, uh, uh, Tyler um, he he came away with three strong tight ends. I can't find it right now, but he spent a lot on it. I think he got something like 
uh, Eifert, Reed, and Gronk or something like three three very very high expensive tight ends. That might not be the three he picked, but um, he spent a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see how it worked out. I mean, the rest of his team didn't suffer too badly in terms of like raw production, I don't think. But, you know, the consistency week to week of the tight end position can be uh, kind of a nightmare, even for the guys at the top. So uh, I, I have a feeling that his team is going to be very, very boom and bust week to week. Yeah, I kind of, because of the way tight ends got expensive, I <laughs> and avoided, actually, I probably didn't have enough money uh, to, affo- to afford them even because of what I did in the auction, um, which we'll just touch to, on in a little bit. <laughs> Go on. Just to give you an idea, of, now, now last year in general was, uh, even for tight end, in terms of tight ends, tight end scoring was pretty down last year. I mean, passing numbers and receiving numbers were pretty much down across. Even tight end numbers were, were, were also down. Like Kelsey was the number one tight end last year in fantasy, and I can't remember the exact stat, but it wouldn't have finished in like the top four or five in, in, in some other years. So, um, But in this league last year, tight, uh, Travis Kelsey was the 15th overall scoring player in the league. So he only had uh, two games of under double-digit scoring last year. So, you know, they're, they're – and then the second one will be Greg Olson down at 28th overall. So, you know, I think they're sprinkled in there. I don't think they're certainly dominating the leaderboard uh, most weeks, but, you know, they can definitely make a difference with the extra scoring. I almost wonder if it might end up making a difference for the lower-tier tight end. I mean, the yeah. elite guys are the elite guys are getting a ton of points no matter what. Uh, I mean, if Gronk gets double for his receptions – you're already paying a high price to have Gronk as your tight end. But the guy that gets like four catches for like 30 yards, all of a sudden that's, you know, that's probably a startable serviceable day for your tight end. If you've spent in other places. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, Charles, (laughs) absolutely. Charles Clay, for instance, he was a top 100, top 100 scorer in the league. So (laughs) he was not a 95th overall, uh, score in the league was, was Charles Clay Buffalo tight end. So yeah, it definitely bumps up those, those... that kind of stuff before the auction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think those lower, lower price guys are definitely going to be, you know, at least week to week contributors to somebody you can throw in and not really, you know, most, most tight ends, you know, say the top four or five or so are the only really ones that you can, you can kind of set it and forget it. But in this league, I think there's going to be a lot more of those options. Maybe Jesse James will hit for me now. Yeah, now that Mr. Green's out of town. Yeah, that was good news. I think I got Jesse James real cheap at the end of the auction. Nice. Um, well, let's talk about the auction. Um, we've done now a lot of auctions together. Yep. And I never, I still have no idea how any auction is going to go. I have auctioned with you and with several other people multiple times. And I still have no idea the pattern, how somebody might, perform in an auction everything seems different uh what what were your thoughts on this exact auction um well for my personal team in this auction i planned on a similar strategy that you had which was to go in and get two strong quarterbacks early and then kind of take and take value at the rest of the positions uh and <laughs> uh, i'll let you tell your side of that but things in this auction did not go quite as they did in other super flex auctions that we have done recently most notably i guess uh, capitalist pigs one and two where quarterbacks were expensive early they were expensive in the middle they were even maybe even more expensive, expensive at the end the time. yeah expensive the entire time and this auction we had so i i had a little bit of a suspicion that this might happen because we have 
Um, I'm not sure exactly how many, but there are several owners in this league that have never done an auction before. And then there's several other ones that have never played in Superflex before. So there's kind of a nice combination of experienced and, and, and lesser experienced people in this. And I kind of thought that the people that have never been in an auction before, they're going to see all these studs on the board and just think, oh, I guess I just want to own them all. I just want to own them all because I know that I do uh, and just not have that discipline to to stick to their budget. So um, as quarterback prices rose and rose and rose and rose, um, I decided that I was going to, instead of trying to get two of those, I was going to go ahead and get one and see what happened with the prices after that. And for whatever reason, you know, I think uh, I was tracking, I, mean, I guess I know the reason, you know, I was tracking the total expenditure of cash throughout the league, throughout the entire auction. And, and we got to a point where we had like 45% of the money spent on like 85 players, which... <laughs> So that that fills eight starting rosters out out of out of twenty four teams. <laughs> so once we got to that point, I knew that I, I had I knew that the bubble was coming, and it did come towards the end there, and even in the middle there, uh, a lot of good quarterbacks and a lot of studs started going off the board for for very cheaply. Just to give you an idea of some of the most the highest price guys, uh, Andrew Luck went for two hundred and sixty something dollars, I believe. And, and pigs one and two, I think he was in like the 220 range. Pigs one, he might have even been closer to 200. I just, I, I vaguely remember in pigs one that there was only a couple of players that hit that $200 mark. But in this league, I think we had a dozen players or maybe even more than that off the board at over $200 a player. And uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I think he went for $290, which is absolutely insane. I, I hope I, I can't remember who bought him for that, but I hope he enjoys him because 29% of your budget on one player is in, in a league where you have to start 10 is uh, is quite the investment. So uh, good luck to that guy. Um, but yeah, quarterbacks and running backs, all the studs were were all over $200. And I think we even got a few receivers, Odell and uh, Odell Beckham and, and Mike Evans, I think also went for over $200. But after that, the, the value started coming. I picked up Philip Rivers for like 70 or 80 bucks, something like that. I got Keenan Allen for like 70 bucks. Um, so sorry, I guess you say percentage, like 7% of, uh, of uh, the budget. So there were deals to be had, just not any of them early. No, and that was one thing that, I mean, all auctions, the price line fluctuates, but I've never seen such an almost, I mean, if the prices fell off a cliff. Absolutely. After yep. about a week. It was, I mean, it was two separate auctions, which, I mean, every auction is different, but I guess be aware, folks, that in an auction with double copies, this could happen. If, if everybody comes out of the gate swinging, my, my plan going into it was, like you said, I'm coming out swinging. I'm going to attack these quarterbacks. I'm going to put bids that are look so high that people think, that's crazy. There's no way I'm going to overbid him. Only because I saw that happen in Pigs and Pigs 2. And the prices went up for the copies after that on quarterbacks. So I came out swinging, and I went big on Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota and spent 44% of my budget on those two <laughs> players. And I won them both. I mean, I think I won them both within just a couple of days of the auction starting. Yeah. And at that point then, I was pretty low on money already. <laughs> yeah, for and for a couple of days there, it looked like you actually had some value. And I still think, to some extent, you did get a value on those players when considering the prices of the other other top quarterbacks. You know, like I said, uh, Luck went for 260. I think Rodgers was at least one copy. It was above 250. Um, and you guys, you got both of those guys for in like the 220 range. So by that measure, you still did get a, get a good deal. But when you can get, you know, the guys that are maybe in that next tier below, um, 
for you know a hundred dollars less <laughs> doesn't look quite as good i i so i did this i did the same thing except for i wanted to go in i was like okay there's no way i can have two of these guys now so i wanted to get one so i got russell wilson at 230 which you know i, I guess i'm okay with uh, considering the prices of the other guys but you know i maybe would have rather spent 220 on winston which at the time i thought was kind of crazy um but then luck came out and rogers came out and i felt okay about it again so uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. It, it just, it, it started out super high for a while, for about a week. And then it just dropped off a cliff. And then at the end, it started coming up a little bit again for, for some of the later guys, once people that were saving a little money, really realized that they were going to have too much money left over. I think one team actually finished with $80 left. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so not, not, not as good of budgeting as, as maybe, um, he could have done, but he was able to control basically control the end of the auction, which is one thing that I, I often like to do in them. Yeah, and that was another uh, thing I wanted to avoid since this is not a rolling bankroll. Uh, I don't want to leave a dollar on the table. And I did some yeah. auctions last year where I ended up with like 50 bucks at the end of it. And I was like, oh, man, like looking back, I when I thought those prices were too high early, I should have just spent then because this 50 bucks, I can buy 50 crappy $1 players. That does me no good. Um so I've started to treat auctions with not bankroll leagues uh, a little bit different. I'm I'm much more aggressive in them, and uh, hopefully I end up being. I don't know. We'll see how this we'll see how this lineup shakes out. But I I, I hope I do it okay. John, what did you what did you think What did you think about so uh, about midway through the auction when I when I kind of suspected that prices were about to plummet? Uh, I had bought. Des Bryant for I think about t- just under twelve percent of, of of your budget oh, of my budget and uh, yeah so then I decided to well I, I, this is a, still a good price on Des I still think it was a good price on Des but I offered him up for a hundred dollars you know giving up sixteen dollars or seventeen dollars whatever it was in equity to trade trade for, to get some money back in and with that money I was able to pick up Keenan Allen and and, and Doug Baldwin and a few other guys uh, instead. So what did you what did you think about that? Did you like that move, or did you think I kind of gave up too much there? I was very jealous of that move. <laughs> um, <laughs> as soon as I saw so as soon as I saw somebody pay for him, I immediately tried to shop Allen Robinson. Uh, what I bought Allen Robinson for was one hundred and fifty bucks, I think, uh, right around fifteen percent, which I'm okay with. But at the same time, what I saw was, oh my gosh, on the board I can get. I can get three guys for, for this, you know, that's a three for one trade. And so I wanted to do it, but unfortunately I think you got the one person that had money to spend for a stud and nobody else had money left. (laughs) Like, it's funny too, that, that owner, go ahead. Sorry. I wanted to, I I mean, I I was willing to sell it Allen Robinson for, you know, a $20 loss, I think is what I ended up. I said, I'd sell him for 130 but I couldn't get anybody to pay that because I think everybody realized, look, at this point now, you can get a really good receiver for 70, 75 bucks. Like, and they'd rather have two of those than one Allen Robinson. So yeah, it, I, I felt a little stuck there and jealous of your deal. <laughs> it's funny, actually. The, the owner that bought him actually did not have that much money, which I was, I was surprised. He had went in and bought Le'Veon Bell. He had spent like 76% of his budget on Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, and I think Julio Jones. And I threw that out there and he was like, yeah, I'll buy Des Bryant for a hundred dollars. Um, so that took him to like, I think he had like 
20% or maybe even less than that of his overall budget left. But he still came around with a pretty good team, except for quarterback. <laughs> he, has got, he has studded out everywhere, but his quarterbacks are Brian Hoyer and Trevor Simeon. So uh, good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, see, and that's that I don't ever want to be in a super flex league stuck without quarterbacks because yep. the cost to acquire them is just impossible. I mean, it's you, you have to pay so much and we've seen it in pigs. I've sold quarterbacks for prices that I never would have thought I could get. And now this year I spent most of my rookie money trying to corner the market of young quarterbacks only so that I can flip them for a profit in the future. Uh, I, I attack quarterback now. I'm never going to try and be that guy that wins with, you know, Alex Smith and I don't know, whoever the Browns are starting for five weeks out of the year. That's just, that's too hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. And they're, they're never going to, as, as daunting as it is it to spend that much money on your quarterbacks and your startup, you know, they're, they're even more expensive to acquire any time else. So the cheapest time you're ever going to get them is in a startup, as weird as that sounds. I know we just said we spent 44% of our budget on quarterbacks, <laughs> but they're going to be way more than that. Just evidenced by the trade that I made in Power Hungry, like we talked about at the beginning, sending Antonio Brown and to get to get Cam freaking Newton. So, um, yeah, they're going to be super expensive uh, way after the auction. Yeah, I feel pretty good about having Mariota and Winston as yep. the cornerstones uh, of my franchise. I I've got plenty of, plenty of guys I need to fill in elsewhere. Um, I don't know. I got a Mark Cooper and Devonte Freeman and Allen Robinson, Demarius Thomas. I like my roster. I'm yeah. looking at it again. I, I really do like it, but I'm shocked at the, what was your, what was your favorite? Uh, and we talked about this in the chat. People were asking, what was your favorite value that you got when the prices plummeted and all of a sudden people didn't want to spend double digits on a guy, uh, what was your favorite value that you got because of the way this auction went? Yeah, there was a few. Um, I felt like getting a Jai for under 10% of my budget was pretty strong. Um, I think I said, I think Rivers was like 7%. Uh, um, Keenan Allen was 70, like like 7.3%. Uh, getting getting Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson for like 6, 6%, not 6%. Uh, six yeah, bucks. Six bucks. That's the same uh, price I got Deshaun Jackson for. Yeah, like that. I mean, whatever, just, however you feel about Deshaun Jackson, but he should not be going. You should not be able to get a wide receiver to, you know, for, for that price. <laughs> so, uh, you know, those are just a few a few of them. But I, I was, I think, I think being able to trade back in really kind of helped me pick up value there in the middle in the in the middle of the end of the auction. Yeah, I love that trade for you. I mean, it it really it made your team so much better. Otherwise, I think our rosters would have looked very similar where I have 18 players on my team um, and we start 10. So yeah. uh, I'm going to other... be starting, I'm going to be starting some players that I paid a dollar for, but I paid a dollar for Tavon Austin who I don't even like, but I mean, if he gets, if he gets any, you know, those behind the line of scrimmage passes that counts as a rushing attempt. So in this yep. game, he gets a little bit of a bonus. Muhammad Sanu is nothing flashy but he cost me a dollar. If he can mm-hmm. go out there and if he can just, if he can just help me get by like for a dollar, because how much the price is just really plummeted. I I've never seen anything like that. 
Yeah, and I'll throw out uh, Delaney Walker too. Uh, I got him for like twenty twenty dollars. Maybe it was less than twenty dollars, but no, you know, if I, if I got to pay, I, I bid you up to I think about twenty, and that's all I have okay. left. Because <laughs> Gronk, you know, I think Gronk went for like one sixty something like that. So if I can get the you know a, a top eight guy instead of a top three guy, yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and take that. So um, yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah, I was pretty upset with that one. I kept I kept pushing that button, and it kept saying this was a this was a proxy auction. So I just kept getting that reject message every time <laughs> on Delaney Walker. And I was like, God, man, I can't. I I just want him. Uh, I think he was the last like legitimate starter on the board. Is why was, I put yeah, basically he, the rest of my money on him. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, yeah, the last tight end for sure. That was a consistent tight end who didn't lose his job. Uh, in the draft. So. Right. Okay. So uh, this is the league that uh, the chat's very active. Um, we do have 24 owners, so that makes it a little bit easier. If only half the people are active, it seems <laughs> active. but uh, the chat never stops. And the, this league is never going to stop. You put in some things to keep this an extremely active league, which is appreciated. Those will be fun. What are some of the things you put into this league to keep it active? So one of them is, uh, this this league is kind of an amalgamation of the favorite parts of of my favorite parts of all of my favorite leagues. So there's elements from the pigs leagues, there's elements from kitchen cinco leagues, there's some elements from other leagues that I've created. And one of them that I stole from a couple of them actually, I guess that I stole from from the kitchen sink leagues uh, and Ryan McDowell is this one of them is a second chance auction. So uh, if you're not familiar with that, basically every March. Uh, each owner will have the opportunity to basically give up all of their assets on their teams uh, and join a pool of owners that will, will basically do another dispersal draft out of the available assets. Uh, so if there's ever own, any owners that decide to leave, you know, they'll also be in there. Uh, so basically it gives you a chance to, Hey, I screwed up my league, my, my team. Let's see if I can, can rebuild it from a, a, a smaller pool of assets. Uh, and some, some years there are some really good, just, uh, good ones on uh, this. I, I do suspect that the second chance is going to be a relatively rare occurrence. Uh, most people like their teams, even if they, they're not necessarily teams that are competitive for a championship. They, they often still like them because they're filled with youth or whatever, or they have high draft picks and stuff. So my guess is it's going to be, uh, more of a thing when we have an owner leave and we have a, a someone come in and take over an orphan, then someone might say, hey, look at all those things that are available. And it will be blind. So you will be entering basically not knowing any of the assets that are going to be in the pool with, except for your own. So I kind of feel like your team is going to have to be real, real bad, like really old or something like that for somebody to take a chance. But you never know, you know, uh, uh, there could be a lead, uh, could be a season where we have high turnover and we have five or six teams and, and a whole bunch of good assets and that might attract you know more teams to jump in too. Um, another one we're going to do is a free agent auction, um, and this is I think this one is from Scott Fish. Basically, all we we're going to do here is we're we're going to be able to take owner or sorry take players from our own rosters, put them up for auction before the rookie draft and owners will use their rookie dollars, which are converted from rookie picks uh, to bid on these, these veterans. And we'll do a reserve. I originally thought maybe I didn't want to do a reserve, but I think that if we don't have a reserve, then there's not going to be a whole lot of activity in this auction because people aren't going to want to risk uh, a good player if, if they're not going to get a, a decent return on it. So um, it'll just be another one, an, another way for, for teams to acquire rookie cash right before the rookie action and have, have money do that. And if you're, you know, your contending team, you'd rather send your money for spend your money on vets, then you'll have that option too. So uh, that one should be fun. Uh, and then, yeah, so the rookie auction is, is, is again, 
the the dollar amounts is is kind of an amalgamation of of kitchen sink uh, leagues and from the capitalist pig league. So everybody will have a first, second, and third round draft pick, and based on potential your p- potential points finish for non playoff teams, in order of finish for playoff teams, they will get uh, a draft pick converted to a certain amount of rookie dollars. So just to give an example, the one hundred one is worth three hundred bucks. The 1.24, because there's 24 teams in the league, is worth $100. So the 1.01 is worth three times as much. And then the winner of the toilet bowl, in addition to – I can't remember if I put down a prize for the pool, a money prize for the toilet bowl or not. Um, but uh, they will get the 1.25 pick, which is basically an extra comp- compensatory pick that's between the first and second round. It's basically worth a dollar more than the 2.01. The 1.25 is worth $96, and the 201 is worth $95. For the the people in the non playoff uh, bracket to kind of compete over, yeah, and I, I like having a prize from the toilet bowl. That's that's fun. It gives people that are out of it a reason to still try and be active in the league and competitive. Uh, you've designed a very active league here, uh, it because you've stolen from some of the greats, which is so yeah, way absolutely. To design the league. Why, why would you? Why, why reinvent the wheel? Right. <laughs> um, so, have you ever experienced a second chance dispersal in any of the kitchen sink leagues or any of the, any of the other leagues that have it? I did. I came into K uh, Kitchen Sink two last year as an orf taking over an orphan team uh, and participated in the dispersal there. I think it was me and two or th- I think it was three other owners there, and then also another one for uh, the now defunct hyperactive leagues. I took over an orphan there and, w- and took over a, a, a dispersal team there as well. So um, yeah, I have a little bit of experience doing it. But were, were any of the people that participated in it actual returning owners that decided to throw away everything and start over? Uh, I can't, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember, but I, I, you know, I did two more dispersals this, this year as well. I just remembered one for the DTC championship league and they had, I think three owners leave and then two other, in addition to myself, uh, were in a, two other owners that were part of the league, but were still, were, were still staying in the league, but gave up their teams joined. So there was, uh, uh, I think it was six, six total teams that were part of it. Um, and they gave it up because there was there honestly there were so many studs in that in that draft. There were everybody who picked. I think there were yeah, there were six of us. Everybody got a stud in the first round. I think it was OBJ, Zeke, Rogers, Jameis Winston, um, some other guys in there. So that one that one was really attractive to other people. Uh, and then the other one was the DLF staff league had some major turnover too. The the partners decided to give up their team and let writers join. Uh, so there was I believe eight of us in, in that dispersal. So. Um, those ones, I, I would guess that that amount of owners would be is, is pretty rare. I would guess. I would guess in the in the in the neighborhood of two to four would be more common. Yeah, and it's it sucks when there's league turnover, but it does allow for that dispersal draft to take place, mm-hmm. which ends up being fun. Um, it's a fun way to join into a league. It's a fun way to bring new people into the league even people that aren't participating, they tend to still kind of keep an eye on it at least. And there's always a little bit of talk about it and just, just monitoring to see how people are taking it. And it's at a time when there's kind of that lull in fantasy football. Uh, You know, you scheduled it for March. So we're not quite to where everybody's, but when's the combine that's April, right? So we're March is kind of a, a little bit of a dead period. And if you get that chance to do a dispersal, it ends up bringing a little bit of, a little bit of action to the league, which is always fun. 
When did you say? When did you say we're going to be doing the free agent auction? Is that going to you said right before the rookie draft? Yeah, we'll do that right before the rookie draft, which will, 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 my guess is probably will be each May. So we'll probably do do it'll probably be March. Um, it'll probably be March second chance auction, April free agent auction, and then uh, May will be the rookie auction. So I, I would like to come up with some more things towards the end of it. Um, I think right now in the Constitution, it says that we're going to do just open waivers in August. But as we've been talking in the chat and stuff, I think we're just going to end up doing another free agent auction. Not, I guess, more of a traditional free agent auction, meaning we're going to we'll be able to use our in-season blind bid, bidding money to pick up players from the waiver wire. Not like the, the other free agent auction where we're using players from our own team. Yeah, I think that would be fun. I mean, I, I like the advantage you can get from paying attention and going to the wire and picking up a guy. But from a league activity standpoint, it'll be a lot more fun if everybody all of a sudden gets to participate, you know, in an event that probably won't yeah. have that many that many uh, interesting players in it. But it'll be a little bit better than just, you know, one team going and picking up three guys off the waiver wire that they just happen to pay attention to a little bit closer and they, they found that nugget. Yeah. And, and one thing real quick, going back to the, the second chance uh, dispersal draft uh, one thing teams that are not participating in should still be paying attention to, because I have seen many deals being made uh, you know, you pick this player and then I'll, I'll trade you these guys, you know, once you have them on your roster, that kind of thing. So there's lots of deals to be made even for owners that are not participating in the second chance. Yeah, and that was that was key in Power Hungry. There was plenty of uh, – I know Clint and Kevin both were asking owners, is there anybody you want me to pick? Yep. Uh, tell, me who, tell me who I should bid on and buy and then give me real money for it. Or not real money, uh, but blind bid money later on for this player. Six teams from each conference are going to make the playoffs. And then uh, in week 14, the three highest teams in each conference will advance. Week 15, the highest from each conference will advance. And then 16 is the champion. So, so instead of in week 14, instead of having, you know, head-to-head matchups, you're playing against two other people and just have to outscore. Um, uh, sorry, you have to, you're, you're playing against five other teams and you have to outscore uh, th- uh, four of them, three of them. Yeah, and I think for these non-standard size leagues, I think that's kind of the only way you can really go, um, because otherwise it's it just gives it, it's not really fair um, to set it up as a head-to-head if you're if you've already made the playoffs after beating you know what six out of twenty-four get in, you've beat eighteen teams. Yep. And then if you just get one unlucky matchup, that sucks. <laughs> so yeah. And, and honestly, I wanted to try to make the prize pool to a point where, you know, every team that made the playoffs got a little something, but it just, it just didn't work out. It didn't seem like the championship prize was going to be enough or we weren't going to be able to give enough to charity or whatever. So, uh, but the top four teams get, get some money. So, you know, it's not, uh, it's not as difficult to, to make, I guess it is difficult because there's 24 teams, but uh, if you think about it as a two 12 team leagues, it's not as difficult to make, uh, you know, at least your money back going forward. And there's, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different, different ways to to make a little bit of money in this league. So, you know, I, I think everybody should be happy with it. Yeah. And even so, I mean, if you win your, if you win your conference and you don't manage to get in the top three in advance, you know, even if you get sixth, you're still pro- even if you won your conference and you get six, you're winning a little bit of money back. So yeah, that works out well. All right, well, we're gonna wrap up uh, the league talk then, and we will go out of the league just a little bit.
First question for the out of the league is, um, when you are at the dentist's office and you're getting work done on your teeth, do you make eye contact with the hygienist? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I think it depends on the hygienist, but mostly no. Um, if I'm having anything more done more than just a cleaning, my dentist actually has a TV screen that they'll pull down from the ceiling in front of us. What? And we can pick awesome. yeah, and we can pick a movie on Netflix to watch or whatever. Uh, my, when I first started going there, they didn't have Netflix and they had like this whole cabinet of DVDs and you would pick one and go in. And of course, the very first time I did it, I made the mistake of picking a funny movie. Uh, I think it was The Hangover <laughs> and laughing with two people's hands in your mouth. That doesn't really go together. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think that I usually don't look in, look in the eye of the, the hygienist. I usually close my eyes or my dentist also, they have on the roof, they have, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, but they have those, those tiles that go over the fluorescent lights they're like clouds or you know a picture of like a field or something like that so you know there's something to stare at i i I absolutely hate the going to the dentist even though my dentist is great um but it's one of my least favorite things in the world to do so (laughs) i usually try to find my happy place or if i'm having something else done watch a movie and just kind of try to take my mind off of what's happening it's the smell man you know the smell like when you get a feeling that drill oh the smell the burning burning of teeth it just it sets me off it is awful yeah, I, I asked that question because I actually went to the dentist today with all three of my kids. So Ugh. we had four four dental appointments today. Oh, a lot man. of fun. But I, I sit there with my eyes closed and my daughter <laughs> asks me, Why are, did you fall asleep when they were working on your teeth? And I, I, th- at that point then I realized, no, I just closed my eyes because I don't feel like it's just such an awkward situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, like your hands are in my mouth. Why do I? And yeah, you're right there in front of, like you're like six inches from my face. <laughs> so like I don't have some awesome TV to look at. That's, oh man, I'm actually friends with my dentist. I'm going to have to tell him about that. Yeah, dude, it's really awesome. He does, I mean, he does so such cool things with it too. Like he, he pulls down the screen and then he, he has a little, uh, a camera on a probe and like goes back and shows you like the tooth or what it actually is doing. So you see inside your mouth, like behind your molars and you're like, Oh yeah, there's a giant hole there. You should probably, you should probably fill that. <laughs> Matt's like, where's the nitrous? I want to watch the hangover. I'm going to watch yeah. the hangover two next. And I need some nitrous oxide to enjoy yeah, that. One. I might, might bite one of their fingers off. Yeah. All right. And you actually touched on my second question a little bit ago when you said your phone was blowing up, I was going to ask, uh, have you ever actually accepted, made a trade, made a, made a bid, done anything when you're actually giving a keeper talk at the zoo? Have you ever actually done anything? <laughs> have you pulled your phone out in front of an audience and actually done something fantasy football related? I have not gone that far. I have definitely made trades at work while I'm like raking an exhibit or, uh, you know, feeding out, like breaking up some hay for an animal or something like that. But we have auditors that come by our talks sometimes and like grade us on our content and what we're doing and stuff. So I, I even even as someone addicted to fantasy football as myself, cannot pull off doing that during a public keeper talk. <laughs> All but definitely you- have de- definitely have done it inside an exhibit before. All of a sudden, you start talking like my a micro machines guy when your your phone's going off. So you you go all micro machines to get through it so you can check to see what that fantasy <laughs> football alert is. Then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, uh, what's your what's your favorite exhibit to make a trade in? <laughs> uh, any exhibit that isn't a carnivore exhibit, so I don't get eaten. <laughs> so it's probably one of the gazelle exhibits. 
All right. Well, Matt, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, give everybody your information one more time at the end here. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at mpricer. Um, you can find all my work on DLF. Listen to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Listen to all the stuff that DLF is doing. Um, and then if you're interested in learning more about zookeeping profession, uh, whether you want to be a zookeeper or you just want to hear some fun stories about animals, check out my podcast, Zookeeper Stories. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and on zookeeperstories.com. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Uh, folks, go ahead and copy leagues like this. Um, have a charitable component to your league. It, it Really, it costs nothing. Nobody misses it. It makes it way more fun. And play in auction leagues. <laughs> yes. Every league should be an auction. Play auction leagues and make it so that uh, people are competing for future money, stuff like that, progressive pots. Set your league up like this league. Give a little bit of that money to charity and have some fun in fantasy football. As for me, you can always interact with me. I'm at Empire FFL. Rate, review, subscribe, retweet, share, all that stuff that goes along with podcasts. I appreciate it every time that somebody does that. Um, thanks. Thank you very much, Matt, for joining me. And no, thank until, you, man. No, thank And until the next one, um, enjoy the insanity. Uh-huh.